How many of you got to, to uh, witness the super blue blood lunar eclipse moon Tuesday? Anybody else see that? Uh, I, didn't, I didn't get up early in the morning to see the lunar eclipse, but I did get out and look at the moon. And uh, You know, we live in an interesting time. Uh, 2018, if you look at the number, it means new beginnings, um, and we certainly are in that, that phase, I believe, right now. I, I love the start of every new year, and, and I tell you that all the time, but, but there's, some, there's some things breaking loose right now. Um, we've got the moon, the moon, we've got this spiritual famine that we're starting, not only do we think is coming, but we're really starting to see it out of Amos 8 that talks about a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Uh, and we've been talking about that all last month, and so we'll kind of keep, keep talking about that. But what does all this stuff mean? Okay, what does it all mean for us with all these different things that are going on? I want to real quick run over to Joel chapter 2. I'm not going to run there. I'll turn there. How's that? Verse, um, Joel chapter 2, verse 13. Actually, verse 12. I'm going to start there. We heard uh, Micah give a message on the first Sunday of January talking about returning to your first love. And I've talked a lot about that. I believe it's that foundational message for our church. Uh, listen to what Joel has to say. It says, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. He relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. And so Joel's, what is he trying to do as he's, as he's prophesying long before Jesus came along? He's talking about rendering our hearts, turning to God with all of our heart. I believe that we're in a season, this, this spiritual famine I've been talking about, we're in a season where, in a time in history when distractions are so prevalent everywhere we live, everywhere we go. And I, I told you a few weeks ago, I challenged you to uh, set aside some time and get alone with God without the cell phone, without the computers, without the TV and all that different stuff. I hope that you're considering that. I hope some of you have done that. Um, because we need to be hearing God right now more than ever before. I really believe that. We're getting closer. But the good news is, is Joel says, you know, this is a, we serve, he said, rend our hearts. I remember uh, Ben teaching on a Wednesday night. If you're listening, Ben, this was one of those that had a huge impact on me. Uh, it was a great lesson he did on Joel too. But he talked about this rending of your hearts as a nation. Now, I believe it has to start individually. Um, but every time that I hear about the sex traffic trade or I hear about another school shooting or some other horrendous thing, Ben was teaching us that night to pray that our nation and that our peoples will, will rend their heart. In other words, tear that heart, that hard, broke, or, uh, unteachable, unreachable part of our heart to, to get rid of that and turn to God. And that's what Joel's crying out to us right here. He's saying, turn to the Lord. Who knows? He may be gracious. He is always gracious to us. Amen? 
And we're in a, in a physical drought. It's interesting because uh, this morning we were talking uh, in the intercessor time about the time that we started seeing people get saved. And we've, we've seen, a, we're in a season of harvest we've really seen in the last three months. Uh, the same time people started getting saved and lives started really getting turned around, we saw a physical drought come. And I believe that we have the authority in Christ Jesus to start calling that jet stream back down. In fact, I saw a picture while Wayne was praying. I, saw, I was saying, I was just praying, bring the jet stream down, bring the moisture from the gulf up right over the, over the northern mountains and have a collision of these two forces that will spread out and we'll get snow in the mountains, we'll get rain down in the plains that will bless this region. This place is the, the Santa de Cristo Mountains is the blood of Christ. This is a place of refuge. This is a place of blessing and we need to fight for that. Amen? So continue to pray. Continue to, to stand with us for that because I really believe that's something God wants from us. But I believe He's given us the authority to step up and say, hey, no, we, we're calling forth the moisture. Amen, right. All right, so I want to go down, uh, staying in Joel chapter 2, I want to run down to verse 28. Um, what Joel's been talking about is this great army that's coming against Israel. He's prophesying in the middle part of this chapter. Um, and so verse 28, yeah, he begins to talk about just before this about how God's army is going to start to rise up. But here's what he has to say in verse 28. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on, on who? All. Okay, I want you to stop and think about that for a minute. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, that's an interesting thing to say now, isn't it? Yes. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, smoke and fire, bills of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now here's verse 32. And everyone, everybody say, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen? Okay, and so we're in an interesting season. He says in this time after this, this battle that he's been talking about, he said God is going to pour out his spirit on all people. See, and, and I think I've always read that and thought that was all believers. But he actually says right down after that, he says, no, even on my servants, I'm going to pour out my spirit. And so I believe we're in this unique, weird time in history where God is starting to show up to unbelievers. He's beginning to show up. We're hearing testimony after testimony of Muslims and different people where Jesus is showing up to them in dreams and visions. But they don't know what to do with it. And the body of Christ has got to be equipped. We've got to be ready to be able to step up when that happens, when someone says, I've had an encounter with God. I don't really know what to think about this. We need to be really to step up and say, hey, you know what? I know this God. I know this Jesus. And I can tell you what he wants for your life. Amen? Because yeah. see, the Spirit of God lives where? In us. So he goes on and he says, you know, the sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood. Uh, does that mean the sun's going to go away? No, not before Jesus comes back. 
Does it mean the blood, the moon actually turns to blood? No, these are signs he's talking about. He said, I'll show you wonders in the heavens on earth. And we're seeing all those things, right? That's why I wanted to kind of bring up the blood moon uh, this, this last week. All of these things are signs. God is trying to prepare his people. He's trying to, to shout out to the world and say, now is the time. Now, today is the day of salvation. And we need to be willing and ready to step up and, and be willing to touch lives, right? Amen. Yes. All right. Amen. So I want to read something else over you today. I want to go over to Galatians chapter 4. Oops, I'm going the wrong way. Galatians chapter 4 in verse, uh, verse 1. I told you, the uh, Lord told me to just start reading the word over you guys. And let this, again, I just want you to let this word wash over you. This is a word for you. The Monday morning deal that we're talking about, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be identifying promises in the word. Okay? And then we're going to start talking about how those apply into our lives. And, and it's, it's, I know several churches that are doing this right now, and they're seeing incredible things happen. So if you haven't been to a men's prayer breakfast in a while, or if you've never been, you know, suck it up, come and, and get up, and I guarantee you, you'll be blessed. I really do. It, and we, it's not just the Bible study. It's not just the food. Yeah, although those are great, it's the fellowship, it's the prayer. We actually pray together as well. So I challenge you to, to show up. But here's this word that I believe God wants you to hear and to, to allow into your spirit or your soul today. Paul says, what I'm saying, as long as there's an, an heir is under age, he is no different than a slave, okay? Although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also we, when we were underage, were under slavery under the elementary spiritual forces of the world. But when the time set had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are sons, God sent His Spirit of His Son into our hearts, and the Spirit calls out, Abba, Father, Daddy. It's that, that Father, the Father wants that relationship with you that's not Him up on some great throne somewhere that we can't touch or ever get close to. He wants to hold you in His arms. We went to Hooper Pool uh, yesterday, and, we, you know, it was great. We took... James and A and, and Joy, and of course we took the boys and Laney and I, and Edison hadn't been in, that I'm aware of, hadn't been in a pool before, hey, lots of time in the bathtub, but you know, by the way, swimming pools for 16-month-olds are for splashing. My eyes are red today, he just, you know, but the whole time I, I, I was thinking of that as I was holding him, I was thinking how dependent he was on me. And then Gideon was swimming around out there, and I kind of had him on one arm out or in the deeper water, you know, and I was, and the Lord was just showing me that picture of the Father and how He wants that kind of relationship with you. He wants to hold you. He wants you to rely on Him for everything, because that's how much He loves you. Is that right? So I, I want to read this next verse to you. Let this sink in. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. 
And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Now, I want, to, I want you to do something for me this morning. Just a second. I'm going to have you stand up. I'm going to have you repeat this after me, but I want you to repeat it with you in there. So, in other words, I am no longer a slave, but God shall. Okay, everybody just stand up. There's power when we declare these things together. You know that? It's, it, it pours into our very soul and our spirit. It encourages us. And so I want you to make this as a declaration. This is a promise of God to you if you're in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So you're going to make this. uh, I'll say it and then you repeat after me, okay? So I am no longer a slave. slave, But God's child. child. And since I am his child, God has made me an heir. All right, give God a praise offering for that, because that's a promise in your life. That's, that, you can sit down here. Yeah. You can stand up if you want, but I, that is a promise in your life. I want to talk to you today. I, I just want to read those things over you. We're going to actually be over in Genesis 40. I've been trying to get to this uh, message for several weeks, and it looks like we might get there today. We'll see. Um, What I want to tell you, the the purpose of this sermon today is I want you to understand how much God has a plan for your life, okay? And He's going to do anything and everything that it takes to see you accomplish that. And, And can you walk away from that? Sure you can. But you know what? God wants to always draw you back. We have prodigals in our lives, don't we? We have sons and daughters. We have loved ones and friends and family. And some of us are prodigals sometimes. But God's heart is always that father that's standing there looking, calling you back. But God is, his heart is to see you accomplish everything that he has for you. And we have this interesting story that we pick up in Genesis 40 um, where we see Joseph... And he's had a dream. He's had two dreams, okay, in his life as a young man. And we're going to look at this this whole thing today. I'm, I'm trying to hear the spirit on how I want to do this. See, we're in a season of harvest and planting right now. We're in a season which the Bible speaks of where the, the plant... The planter and the harvester in the same field at the same time. In other words, we are, we're planting the Word of God. We're, we're hearing that. We're seeing that. It's going on right now. It's going on in your families, your homes, your businesses. We're planting seeds, but we're also harvesting. And one of my heart cries is for us to be able to see the, the needs of those around us and to be available so that the Holy Spirit can use you to touch lives. I want to share a testimony this week. I have permission to do this. Um, if we will just be sensitive to the Spirit of God, and I believe the closer we get to Jesus' return or our, the day that the Lord takes us home, I believe we're designed to be seen less and less of the physical and more and more of the spiritual. Right. Do you agree with that? We're supposed, to be, we're supposed to be seeing more of what God has for us as we're being conformed into His image. Uh, well, we were last week, I tell you, we're in a season, a season of harvest. Last week when we were at, at Ed's service, uh, God was just all over the place. I mean, it was just such a special time. And that's what the Bible promises us when we are faithful to God. You know, He's going to be faithful. 
And so um, we had we were gathered around, and they were getting ready to lower the casket into the into the grave. And unbeknownst to me, Wayne and Marcia, the Lord spoke to him and said, "Start praying in the spirit, and start talking. Get some other people around going on because it was kind of precarious, and and you know it's it's not that easy when you're you're layer you're row." lowering a, a casket down and, and it was real narrow it was kind of a narrow little spot in this one place and so while they're praying in the spirit I'm just standing there and I'm watching my friend and my mentor my elder uh, you know and I'm just just worshiping God and just and just you know I'm trying to embrace that moment and I don't hear from God I just see that it looks like one of the guys could fall in the hole because there's hardly any room. And, and, and so I just walk over and grab a hold of the back of his jacket. Well, I don't know that the Lord has a team of people back behind me praying in the Spirit because they God is saying, hey, something bad could happen here. And so I go on. Sunday morning after service, this gentleman walks up to me and... Uh, he tells me, and I want to give a little testimony about Ed because this was a close relative. Um, he says, you know, I'm not an atheist by any means, but I have questions. He goes, and, and, and I had been talking about those that had questions, you know, ask God and, and whatever. And he, he said, you know, Ed gave me his Bible and he told me to start reading in the chapter uh, in John. And if you've ever seen Ed's Bible... <laughs> Yeah, you know, you could be, I could be reading a scripture on Monday morning or whatever, one of us, and he'd go, oh, yeah, you preached on that back in, you know, 2006 or whatever. Uh, he had all kinds of new notes, and <clears throat> I assume some of you have Bibles like that. Uh, you know, I, I kind of hate going to a digital Bible because of all the notes that I used. I mean, used to, I'd wear one out in about three years, I'd get a new one. Uh, anyway, he said, you know, I've been, I'm going to read this Bible because he says, I have questions. I want to know. He said, I don't, I'm not all in like uh, Ed and Anna Lee, but he goes, I could see a difference in their lives. He said, from years ago to, to where they are now, he said, there's, there's a, a difference and I want to know about that. Amen. And then all of a sudden, he looked at me and he, he said something that just absolutely blew me away. He said, you know, the other day when you reached out and grabbed my jacket, he said, something changed. He said, I can't explain it to you. I don't know what happened. But he said, something changed in my life. I'm looking at him going, okay. I'm about as surprised as he is. See, we never know when we're sensitive to God. We're just walking, and He's just a part of our lives, and we got our eyes on Him. We never know. You guys have no idea how God uses you like that all the time. Amen. Okay? You just don't understand how often He will do that. I had no idea. There's a team of people praying behind over there in the Spirit. I have no idea about that stuff. All I did was walk over and try to keep somebody from stumbling and, and getting hurt. But God had a plan. So we're going to talk about Joseph this morning. I want to show you kind of uh, similarities. So like I told you, Joseph, I'm going to kind of walk through this chapter. I don't really want to read it word for word. Remember that Joseph had a dream, right? And he went to his brothers with it. And he told them, yeah, I had this great dream. And in this dream, I saw these, these 14, I think it is, brothers or whatever, uh, 
pretty much what he told him is I saw him bowing. You guys were bowing down to me. And he's the youngest of all these sons, and he's the favorite of the father because he's been born way, you know, he's, as we get older, you know, we get more sensitive. I mean, I'm sorry, but, but you know, if you have, you have a child and you're 62 years old, brand new baby, it's, man, there's something special about that. And, and so he's the favorite of, of uh, Israel. And so the brothers don't like him in the first place because he's got the special coat and all this stuff. And all of a sudden he comes up with this dream and tells him, by the way, you guys are all going to be bowing down to me. That's what God told me. Then he has another dream, and by the way, Dad, you're going to be bowing down as well, along with, with nations and all. And I mean, it did not go well, okay? That's a dream, though. That was a, that was a promise from God, wasn't it? Amen. Let me ask you a question. Have you, do you have a promise from God? Yes. Now, now, Joseph had a specific promise in this dream about something that was going to happen. He didn't have a clue what that was in his arrogance or whatever. He, you know, he was not wise about But he had a promise from God, and he knew it. You guys have a promise from God. How many of you understand it? In Christ Jesus, we have the promise of eternal life. We have the promise of hope. We have the promise of a new heaven and earth. We have a promise where we will rule and reign forever with Christ, and we're going to be in his presence forever. Somebody ought to be more excited about that. I mean, that's the promise. That's the hope the Bible talks about that keeps us going. Okay? And so Joseph had this promise, and all of a sudden, life comes along. Next thing you know, his brothers are planning to kill him. They're going to throw him in a pit. They had all these different things. Finally, one of them having mercy on him says, instead of having our blood, his blood on his hands, let's just sell him as a slave. And so he ends up in slavery. Remember, he goes to Potter's house. Because of the presence of God, God's favor is on his life. All of a sudden, everything he does is being blessed. And I, I talked to you a few weeks ago. Remember, we're carrying the presence of God. When we go into a place, we should be carrying the blessings of God. Whether it's a Christian place or not, we're supposed to be carrying the blessings of God with us. You're carrying those within you. All right? So that people say, hey, I see God in this person. Okay? I see God in this person. And it's not so they can say how great we are. It's because they see God in us. And so Joseph, you know what happened. Potiphar's wife goes after him and falsely accuses him. Next thing he knows, he ends up in jail. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that was an emotional roller coaster for Joseph? I don't know. I, I can't remember how many years this went on, 30 or something like that, before he actually ended up where he, where he thought he was going to be. And then he didn't know what was going on. Um, you think he ever had those conversations with God? Like, what are you doing? You promised, you told me I was going to. Have you ever had that conversation? Amen. Shake your head, yes, because most of us have. Most of us have thought, are you crazy? <laughs> what are you thinking? But see, God's ways are higher than our ways. Amen. See, his ways are higher than our ways. He sees the beginning and the end, and he sees the journey in between. So one of the things that Joseph clung to was the fact that he had a promise. So all of a sudden, he gets thrown in jail, and again, favor just starts pouring out on him everywhere he goes, and he's a compassionate guy, and all of a sudden, we pick up chapter 40, and the cupbearer and the baker of the king get in bad favor with the king, and he throws him in prison. Never a good thing. Now, remember, prison back then was not... Uh, you know, quite the way that we have prison these days. It was most likely a dungeon, a hole in the ground type thing, a cave perhaps, 
uh, probably wasn't a great place to be, Amen. okay? But God used Joseph everywhere he went. And so we pick it up, the cupbearer and, and the baker get thrown, thrown into prison, and the captain of the guard assigns Joseph to attend to them. So in verse 5, after, right before the second half of verse 4, after, applied, after they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker, the king of Egypt, um, who were held in prison, they had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. So the cupbearer and the baker have a dream, okay? Verse 6, key to this whole chapter, in my point, in my uh, perspective. Verse 6, when Joseph came in the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. Okay? Now, how many times have you walked in the store, in the workplace, in whatever, and you just can see somebody... Now, I thought that was unusual that they were even more dejected than they would normally be in a, you know, a cave or whatever it was, and the king's probably going to kill you. You know, and it's like, whew, must be a bad day if Joseph goes, man, I can see these guys. But you know what? This is a picture of Joseph's nature. It's not, see, many of us see that they're dejected, but Joseph does something about it. Okay, so verse 7 so he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? <laughs> yes, God? They both, they said, we both had dreams. But there was no one to interpret them. Uh, well, that's an interesting thing to be really bummed out and in a horrible situation. Uh, see, remember, we didn't have social media back then. We didn't have... Cell phones, we didn't have TV. Oh, by the way, probably they didn't have books. If they did, they couldn't read them. Uh, when they heard from God, it had to be either something that was passed down or it was a supernatural event. And some reason, they know these dreams have a special meaning. And it's interesting when you look through all the Old Testament history, every time they had dreams, they wanted somebody to interpret them, huh? They knew there was somebody up there, whether they understood, you know, I think it was Nebuchadnezzar, remember? He's like, I had this dream, and he's mad because nobody can interpret it. He's killing all his, <laughs> all his wise guys and stuff because they can't interpret this dream. Uh, so dreams, people have known for, for as long as I, the Bible records that dreams are from God, Amen. and they have meaning. Amen. And so they're bummed out because they can't figure out this dream. They go, there's no one to interpret the dream. And so here's the uh, second point of what I think is the key to this chapter. We both had dreams, they answered, but there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me the dream. I, I love that. I love that. It's like, you had a dream. God's, he's in charge. I, I guess I shared this a while back. Bert, where are you? I know you're around here somewhere. There you are. I, I, I'm going to share this again. Bert, and I may mess, I may kill this story, but Bert walked into a store one day, I think it was a convenience store. You were going to get coffee or something like that. And the lady behind the desk turns around and says, I had the weirdest dream last night. How many of you have ever had that happen to you? All of us, Right. You walk up to a friend or whatever, and they go, man, I had the weirdest dream last night. 
I want to tell you something. I want, when you hear those words, I want to challenge you to look to the Lord and say, what am I supposed to do with this? Because if you had a dream that was weird enough, I mean, dreams are weird, right? I mean, if you're anything, <laughs> I had some crazy dreams I was telling Lainey about them this morning. Dreams are weird. But when they're weird enough that you start telling people, man, I had a weird dream last night, we as the body of Christ ought to tune in and say, God, what should I be doing with this? Bert said he listened to the young lady share this dream, and, oh, okay, that is weird. Got his cup of coffee or whatever, went out to the car, and if I'm slaying this, you can correct me. He got back in the car, and God says, aren't you going to interpret or tell her what the dream means? Is that right? And Bert said, I don't know what it means. <laughs> and God said something along the lines, we'll get back in there, I'll tell you what it means. I mean, we have the Spirit of God in us, right? Amen. And he's kind of like, uh, okay, you know. <laughs> but see, we can interpret dreams because of Christ in us. It has nothing to do with us. Amen. And so Joseph goes, hey, interpretations belong to God. Tell me what the deal is. And he obviously had a gift for that. And I know there's some people that have that gift of interpretation. I've interpreted numerous, numerous dreams throughout the years. Uh, so it's simple just saying, hey, God, when someone says, I had a weird dream last night or I had the strangest dream, say, tell me about that. Now, the first dream, and so they go ahead and tell him the dream, right? So the cupbearer tells Joseph the dream, and he, he sees a vine, and it, in the vine it breaks into three branches, and as it buds, it blossomed, and then there's clusters of grapes, and Pharaoh's cup was in his hand, and he took the grapes and squeezed them and, and gave them the cup, and Pharaoh the cup, and everything went well. And Joseph goes, oh, great, no problem. He goes, that's the three branches of three days. Uh, in three days, Pharaoh's going to lift you up, and he's going to uh, restore you to your position. And, and I've read that and thought, you know, I could probably come close in, in just sort of reasoning that out to some of the things that he's sharing. And then Joseph says to him in verse 15, uh, actually in verse 14, he says, but when all goes well with you, Joseph already knows he's nailed the dream, right? There's no doubt in his mind. That's faith. That's what we call faith, right? Because when God uses us and we step out and do it, we expect and believe it's going to happen. Is that faith? Yes. Okay. You guys are tough today. <laughs> So anyway, but he says, when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. There's a little bit of Joseph's frustration, right? I'm forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I've done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. And so Joseph is like, hey, I interpret your dream. Don't forget to tell the king, okay? Give me some favor here. Then the, the uh, baker sees this, and he thinks, that sounds like a pretty good deal. I'll share it and see what, what he has to say. Well, this one, this interpretation goes beyond anything I can, I can come up with. When the chief baker saw that, this is verse 16, that Joseph had, was given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. All right, that doesn't sound like a good deal, but... It certainly doesn't sound like this. This is what it means, Joseph says. Now notice, he just interprets what God tells him. Okay, that's what we do. We ask God, 
how do I think about this? He says, you tell them this, we tell them that, we don't explain it, right? We don't, we don't have to try to get into our own things. He says, in three days, he says, within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale your body on a spear. <laughs> and the birds will eat your flesh. <laughs> well, there's a happy... <laughs> now, I assume that probably Joseph tried to encourage him and... and you know, walk with him those next three days because he probably was waking up every morning a little discouraged because Joseph carried the Spirit of God, right? We're part of the answer, but it doesn't say that. So bottom line, all these things, three days later, they come to pass exactly like Joseph said they're going to, all right? And so the verse, the very last verse of, of chapter, or uh, verse 23 of 40, it says, the chief cupbearer, However, did not remember Joseph, he forgot him. <laughs> Trinity and I were talking about this. What a discouragement this, what a roller coaster Joseph's life must have been emotionally. But see, Joseph didn't just act on emotions, did he? I believe that there's three things that really kept Joseph going so that he could fulfill the destiny that God had for him. Okay, the first one is I believe he had a dream. He had a word from God. He had a vision. He knew something God had given him a promise. Each and every one of you, you may have a specific promise on your life. God has told you that was 20 years ago or 30 years ago. You're going to do this thing or you're going to do this and you're still going, God, I, I don't see it. But just because you don't see it doesn't mean you give up on it. We have an, an eternal promise, like I told you. There's one thing we can guarantee is that we have a hope in Christ Jesus that we're going we're gonna to go on to be live in eternity with Him. Now, I believe all, most of us have a promise from God for our lives. If you don't, I, I encourage you to ask God to give you that, that vision, that dream, that promise from a prophetic word, whatever it might be. Reading the Scripture, it may just jump out one day and He'll say, I've told you this several times. I was reading in Psalms one night at my dad's bedside in the hospital when he was dying. And it said uh, something, praise the Lord, all you servants that's, that ministered in the house of the Lord at night. And God said to me that night, just in a quiet time, and he just said, you're serving at night now. You're serving out of the limelight, but there's a day coming when you're, I'm going to use you. And you're going, to have, you're going to have a ministry that's going to touch more people. It wasn't, you know, millions or anything. He just said it's going to be out in the light. You're, going to, you're serving behind the scenes now, but there's a day coming. And so God will give you those words. So one thing is Joseph didn't give up on the promise of God. Okay, I think that was the number one thing. That was the first thing, I should say. The second thing is I believe that Joseph had a personal relationship with God that was unbreakable. And each and every one of us in this room has the, the ability, the, the promise that we can have a personal relationship with God and nothing that comes in our lives can, can change that. Nothing can steal that from us if we don't allow it. God says, I'll take everything in your life and I will turn it for good. Amen. And Joseph didn't have that promise, but we do. Amen. We're on the other side of the cross, amen? Amen. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you even until the end of the age. He says, I will use you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. 
We have those promises, but we have this relationship. We have to stay in relationship. Micah told us we gotta we gotta go back to that first love and we gotta live out of that. We minister out of that. We walk out of that. It is our very life, is our relationship with Christ Jesus. And I believe Joseph had one that no matter how discouraged he got, he stayed plugged into God and he continued to walk with him. And then I believe the last thing, and this is something I really felt the Lord wanted me to highlight to you today, is that I believe God will show you as you go through, and a lot of people are in difficult times right now. I know that. I know some of you personally, I know what's going on in some of your lives. Some of you are in great seasons. But I believe the thing that, the last thing that kept Joseph going was the way that God used him to touch other lives. Amen. Amen. Yes. I really do. That testimony that I shared uh, this morning, you know what it's like when God uses you to touch another life. It's one of the most special things that can happen. It doesn't puff me up. It just thinks me. It just makes me humble when God uses me, especially something like that where I there's no way I could take any credit for. Amen. You know, we need to understand that God is using you all the time, and once in a while He lets us see that. But he, you know, we'd, we'd get all puffed up if he showed us all the things. If we could see all the impact that you are having in, in this world right now and in this region. And so I encourage you, wherever you're at, you grow where you're planted. Whatever, whatever is going on around your life, if God's given you a promise, you cling to that promise. You stay plugged in and you just expect him to use you where you're at. Somebody get that, it's God. <laughs> Phone was ringing on Facebook. This morning, we want to open up this altar. We're going to have some intercessors here to pray with you. Um, we, are, we are seeing a spiritual famine around us. I told you, I read the scripture in Joel, he's pouring out a spirit on all mankind. We need to be willing to step up. We're going to have to be able to operate through the power of the Holy Spirit and be able to touch people's lives because they're going to have questions. They're going to want to know what's going on. God, I had this encounter with, with God. I guess it was God. I don't know. It was, you, we need to be able to tell them, hey, you know what? I know who this is, and I, have, I can tell you. I can tell you about him. I can, I can show you how to have a relationship. We are part of the answer. Amen? Amen. Somebody say that with me. We are part of the answer. We are love people, okay? We really are. 